point of a team is to pick each other up where the other one is weak, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that we all have to have different skills, but also have the ability in different situations to utilize each other's strengths and kind of stand on each other's shoulders. Your team's ability to grow is based on your ability to grow. And if you're not growing, your team's dying. It's one thing not to know you have a blind spot. It's another thing to know you have a blind spot and you know that you will always have a blind spot, but that you're aware of your blind spot, right? That's the one where you check over your shoulder because you know you have a blind spot. Um, sometimes people can't work in areas that they're too passionate about because they can't separate their passion apart from the execution. Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakertech. Yakertech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitch ball. No other system captures such clarity on a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. If you guys haven't yet, make sure you're taking advantage of the online resource we put together on our website at thesystem.farm. We have a multitude of different drill video sections, practice plans, discount codes, job listings, unsigned players, and so much more. We're also launching a premium membership that will give you access to team rankings, player rankings, chat boards, and other features that we'll be releasing in the coming months. So make sure you check us out at thesystem.farm. That's thesystem.farm. On this episode... Bo and I sit down and we wrap up our multi-part series on discovering our blind spots. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Bo and Joe. Welcome back to another episode of The Farm, Unfiltered. Joey, 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 my man. Hey man, I just got to say, it really is a pleasure to be sitting down and chatting with you. Just so happens that there are people tuning in on the other end, so uh, shout out to you guys. Before we dive into this episode, make sure to head over to thesystem.farm. There you'll find the outlines to follow along with us today. Um, Obviously, this is part three of the uh, three-part series we've done on discovering your blind spots. Um, We've discussed defining your strengths, discovering the blind spots that go along with those strengths. And today we're going to dive into the five areas we've identified as the most common blind spots for leaders and then the blueprint for minimizing um, those circumstances. So, Joey, as we get started off here today, why don't you start by identifying those five biggest blind spots that leaders experience? Yeah, so again, uh, these don't necessarily have to be yours, but these are we have identified as the top five uh, for most leaders kind of across the board, right? And some of these may apply to you and some of them may not. Um, This is kind of like overarching themes for uh, people that have exposure um, in the sense of like leadership, right? So one of the top things and one of the most common areas is um, leaders are most likely, most of the time, 
high achievers, right? So that's why they are in the position that they're in um, is first before you can lead others. Like first you have to be able to lead yourself, right? So they're high achievers, right? And now while that is a absolute great strength, and I would say, you know, I say that with the most bias because I definitely am a high achiever. And that's one of the things that at the top of my list. Um, the weak side that comes with that is a lot of times is we have a hard time being in the moment, right? Because once we achieve something, we're not there and like, man, this is so awesome. We're instantly looking for the next thing. We're instantly looking to achieve the next thing and how do we keep achieving, right? Um, some of that is probably uh, not good <laughs> and a psychological uh, hit there, right? Some dopamine hits we get from achievement. But um, with that as well, we have because we are high achievers, we have high expectations of others. Right. So we expect others around us to also be high achievers and um, necessarily, you know, that's not necessarily true for everyone around us, especially when they're not working in their strength zones. So that's something that, again, uh, that we see is identified as blind spots for them. Um, The next uh, item on that is. Most leaders, right, that are in these high level positions that are are great leaders, they have extreme uh, extreme ownership. Right. So what that means is they take ownership of a lot of things, right? That's why they are the position they are because they take ownership over their results and the production of how they act and their character, right? So with that being said, um, what could possibly be the bad side of that? (laughs) Well, um, a lot of those guys that take a lot of ownership um, and they take a lot of those things upon their shoulders is they can very easily be control freaks. Right. And they want to control every aspect of it because they're so concerned with the production side on the backside. Right. And now that also ties into, um, you know, them not being the best at empowering others. They, they take so much ownership that they start, uh, they start wanting to do everything themselves and they don't, not are always the best at empowering or, or, uh, you know, having others take on some of these roles because they feel like it's on them. Um, another thing, and this is a big part of like leadership is first off, you could have, you could have this great uh, vision. You could have this great plan. You could know all of this information, but the point of being a leader, if, you know, it's like the old saying, if you're, uh, if you think you're leading and you turn around and no one's following, you're just taking a walk, right? So this next point is most leaders, right. That are in these high level positions are captivating right? They're captivating, they capture your attention, um, and they get people, they inspire others, right? They motivate others, they capture everybody's heart, and they get everybody pulling in the same direction. Now, the bad side of that as well is when it's played, when you're not in the right situation, um, there's not always, you're not, there's not always a situation where cap, being captivating is the perfect time, um, like to be displayed. And for, for example, again, if someone's going through a really hard time, um, maybe again, there's some, they've gone through some really serious things and it's better for you to be a listener at that moment rather than trying to be captivating and get people to buy into what you're doing or what you're saying or what, you know, like those things, there's definitely a time where you need to uh, deploy some more uh, empathy. And so because of that, um, you know, you can come across as like you have some uh, narcissistic, um, you know, values or selfish motives, or you can just come off really just insensitive, right? And those are, you know, uh, big blind spots, again, when you're played out of position, um, where that your captivating side can really uh, be off-putting to others as well, right? Um, oh, first off, before we move on to the next one, if you're, if I'm stepping on your toes, it's okay. I'm also, I think I'm, we're stepping on ours as we talk through this. So we definitely get it. That's why we're saying these are some of the top ones for leaders. So let's move on. You know, I just want to keep stomping. So, um, the next one, and this one's going to hit home for a bunch right here is servant leaders. 
right? So if you're a servant leader, again, like your whole, the whole point of, uh, you know, that has the word leader in it, right? Is that you're, you care about others, right? You're always trying to do everything for other people. Um, you're always trying to find ways to serve them, uh, show them value and take care of them, right? You're very empathetic towards, um, you know, what's going on and the people that you leads lives. Now, while that sounds beautiful and you're like, I, there's definitely no blind, uh, blind spot to that. Well, you would be wrong. There is also a blind spot to that is sometimes that people that are really heavily into certain leadership, a servant leadership, and there is a time and place to be a servant leader, which is, you know, a good amount of the time. But there is these, um, these moments where, again, uh, some people that are uh, the blind spot to that have trouble holding people accountable. Right. And they may lack like personal barriers. They don't um, know how to set up those barriers while you're serving others. There is a point of being um, there's time and a place to be selfish. There is a time and a place. And you can't if you can't take care of yourself and take care um, of what you need to get done and put yourself in a position to help others. It's just that you can't help others because you're not in a position to do so. So you first need to take care of yourself. Right. And make sure yourself is producing so that you can make sure that you're in a better position to serve the ones that you lead. Right. Um, another side of that as well is sometimes servant leaders can uh, not be assertive. Right. There is a time and a place for leaders that they need to be assertive and they need to be able to. Um, uh, what is it called? Toe the line or, you know, they need to be able to toe the line and be a commander. Right. Um, there's to, there needs to be a chief. Right. There needs to be someone that's pointing direction and giving uh, subvert, uh, assertive convictions. Right. That uh, tells everybody to be moving in certain situation uh, in a certain direction. I mean, so and the last one that we've identified, and this is very true for a lot of great leaders, is visionaries. Right. And we mentioned this on episode uh, one of this multi-part series of, you know, visionaries. You know, the, the great thing about that is not everybody is a visionary and can see past all of the barriers, right? Um, they don't. Ha- they have a hard time coming up with vision or what something. It's very hard to imagine something that doesn't yet exist. Like that's not an easy thing to do. And with that being said, um, there's some. The leaders have to see things before they happen. They have to see more and before. Right. They have to see more than the people that they um, they currently lead, and they have to see before the people that they currently lead if you're going to be a leader and that becomes being with uh, the title of being a visionary now the blind spot to that and we kind of mentioned some of these things before but there could be a you know lack of direction or a loss of direction in the sense of they're always coming up with new ideas right and because they're always coming up with new ideas they may have problems um, executing on one right they always want to start projects because they have all these visions and all these great ideas and these things that they're inspired about um, and may not have the best way to uh, be the execute execution side and have a plan of attack of how to actually achieve these these are almost like again like a dreamer right um and also too can come across very naive at times right because um you know you come up with all these ideas and you you see it so clear in your head and it would be beautiful if that could happen but the reality is is there is a good chance that it won't ever happen and because of you know again the things that need to be executed to make those things happen right so um, those are the five that we've identified in the blind spots that we've attack, uh, attached with them so high achiever extreme ownership captivating servant leaders and visionaries yeah and I'm gonna be the first one to tell you, Joey, I feel like you're just at me at the end here. I think I look right past the bears. Half the time I don't even see the barriers. Just living in the cloud, hopeless romantic. So if those guys tuning in, um, you know, they feel like they're finally past the breaking point. They understand where their blind spot is. 
Um, they're pushing to the point now where they're trying to minimize or um, set up some ways to, you know, avoid some certain circumstances. Why don't you walk us through uh, the steps that we've identified for that? Yep. Okay. So um, some of the things that we've um, gone through is the first step, and this is something that we've already done on episode one and two, right? So if we want to minimize, we want to minimize some of these areas of our blind spots, right? We want to make our blind spots smaller, right? I don't want to have a semi-truck blind spot. Right. So in cars, what they do is they add extra mirrors. Right. Or they create um, um, we're, we'll talk about the other side of having like radar. That's like setting up alarms. We'll kind of talk through that. But right now, like they set up extra mirrors or again, they set up angles in the car with your mirrors to adjust and to help you better see your blind spot. We want to minimize uh, the areas that we don't see. Right now. With that being said, um, you know, this is how this, uh, the, the first step of that is we have to be able to self-assess, right? Which is episode one and two, right? Where we identified what our strengths were so that we can identify, therefore, what our blind spot that is attached to that, right? So if we can't self-assess, we can't minimize a blind spot that we don't know we have, right? It's one thing not to know you have a blind spot. It's another thing to know you have a blind spot. And you know that you will always have a blind spot, but that you're aware of your blind spot, right? That's the one where you check over your shoulder because you know you have a blind spot, right? Um, If you're the one just switching lanes and not checking over your shoulder to your blind spot, you know, um, you're the one I don't want to see in traffic, all right? So yes, you need to know that you do have blind spots, all right? So um, the next part with that, and this is the crucial part that we gave you guys some actionable steps here, is the situational um, assessment. So um, the big part, the bigger part of this is we're going to talk about which situations expose our blind spots, and these are very situational, right? So um, Bo and I kind of bounce back and forth right here, and we'll kind of go through each one. So we're going to go through the who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? And we give you guys some some steps to this. So the first one is who is involved. Right. So when we're evaluating our situational assessment of understanding how we minimize these blind spots, we start to, we talk to ourselves about who is involved. Right. Is this, uh, you know, maybe I'm better with big groups. Maybe I'm better with small groups. Right. And some prefer one or the other. Some are motivated by being in big rooms and being in front of a lot of people. Right. Um, some are motivated by, you know, or feel more comfortable being in smaller groups. Right. And those are both strengths and weaknesses. Right. I know, for example, I'd much rather be in front of big groups than be in front of small groups. I get motivated being in front of the others. And I think Bo's the complete opposite. Right. So that's okay. And we need to understand where our strengths and our weaknesses are. Right. Now, the other side of that as well is relationships, right? If we're in a room full of people that we feel comfortable around and, you know, we feel, um, you know, very easy to open up to, um, you know, again, that's a much different conversation or presentation or, um, you know, a team atmosphere or culture that I'm much more open to doing those things with. Now, uh, with that being said, with some people, it's different the opposite way, right? You have, you might have a, such a relationship with them that you feel you're very cautious about sharing, right? And um, that relationship is very, very keen when you kind of dive into some of those. So that's the first one is we first need to identify who is involved. Yep. And then once we do that, move into um, what are the circumstances? Why don't you dive into some of those as far as um, what can affect the circumstances and how we attack that? Yep. So the next one is, uh, again, what are their circumstances, right? Now, and each circumstance, we have 
again, what are the constraints of, of the, the circumstance and what are the time frames and what are the expectations, right? So when we have all these things put together, when we understand that, hey, we only have a week to execute, are you someone that does better with tighter time frames, right? I know, um, for example, Bleak at the uh, at the shop, he's better when it's tight time frames, right? He's a, he's a procrastinator, right? He puts things off. He's, again, visionary bouncing around. He does better when he has tighter time frames. Um, and there's other guys that like to get ahead, right? They want to start way out and then spend more time doing things. Like that's how I am when I want to make presentations or be in front of others. I like having time to plan things out and become more collected. Now, um, with that being said as well, what are the constraints of those circumstances? What, um, you know, what are the expectations, right? Are the expectations, what is, what is being asked to be delivered, right? Is it, um, something that, you know, uh, for example, is it a big presentation that it's supposed to have? Uh, we'll kind of talk through like the desired impact and all those things a little bit later on. But like, what is the expectation of the delivery, right? Are you doing a speech in front of a group of 12 year olds, right? That kind of ties into the who, right? And um, are you just expected to kind of give, you know, 20 minutes of, you know, some motivational speech or are you, you know, in front of executives, right, of a big company and you need to supply with them a whole bunch of details and supportive evidence uh, to help uh, bring the picture full, full circle. So that's definitely some things that we want to monitor and things we want to pay attention to when we look at what are the circumstances. I also think that's important to know who is involved so you can match your expectation with the expectation of those you're delivering the speech to. Um, I think that a lot of times the blind spot in general is you think something's important, but the person you're delivering to doesn't as well. So I think that's something to take into consideration as well. Um, as we move along, uh, the next one is when is the when is it taking place? So um, Joy, when we talk about that as far as, you know, literally when is it taking place versus like um, figuratively, uh, why don't you dive into some of that stuff? Yeah. So when is it taking place? Now, this is why is this important? First off, we need to recognize that we're all going through different seasons in our life at all times, right? So for example, let's say, um, you know, you set yourself up to give Maybe something that's going to be pretty stressful will take a lot out of you, but at the same time too, that's also when your wife is due <laughs> for your first child or something, right? Now, in that season, you might be getting no sleep, right? In that season, you might not have a normal schedule. You might be a little bit more stressed than normal. Your wife is being crazy, right? Your wife is being crazy, has crazy, you know, again, you're trying to cater to all those uh, pregnant chemicals just running through there, right? Um, now, with that being all those hormones. Now, with that being said, that season might be a little bit more stressful and you need to understand that you might have a, you know, uh, short fuse, right? Or you might have, um, you might not be as patient, etc. right? So definitely understanding the seasons that we're in can also give us a better idea of, again, what time of year are we most busy or are we more patient, et cetera, et cetera. Now, um, some people also too work better at different times in the day. So, um, I'll use, uh, bleak and I as an example here again is I work better during the day and he works better as he's a night owl. He works much better at like two, 3 AM, right? Those are the times that he's most productive. So, you know, if you're putting yourself in situations to, again, to get more things done, knowing what time of the day, or again, for whatever reason, and whatever those per, uh, personal circumstances are for you. Um, if you understand those things, you can put yourself in situations where you, again, minimize those blind spots of yours and help you um, execute and achieve for not only you, but also your team. 
And I also think it's important when we talk about when is it taking place um, to consider people around you that can help you understand when and where you perform better. Um, I know that some people believe they can function in the nine to five and, and they can't. So like Bleeker, Joey mentioned there, he functions better at night, um, which a lot of people and visionaries do. So something to take into consideration there. Um, as we move along here, the next one I move into is where is it taking place? You know, Joy and I bounce some ideas back and forth here. Uh, this kind of ties back into what are the circumstances. But um, Joy, why don't we dive into this one here and in, uh, where is it taking place? Yeah, so things are important. Again, when we're talking about, you know, where it's taking place, we need to understand the understanding of the venue. Right? Is this a formal venue or informal venue? And some do better than others. Again, maybe you're okay with giving a speech in front of 20 people if it's on a baseball field, right? And you guys are um, you're in an area that you feel again more secure or something that um, you feel more safe or comfortable or whatever that is, right? And then other people might feel more comfortable again if they're giving a presentation on a stage, right? And some of some people are like, who the heck feels better on a stage? I'm done. <laughs> there is people and I'm telling you out. like I feel okay on a stage like it doesn't bother me to be on a stage at all right and it also doesn't bother me to be on a baseball field but there's some that prefer one or the other just because of where they're comfortable right so what venue and where we're at um, is definitely huge for again the again the success and also to to help us understand what that looks like Sometimes as well, when we kind of dive into that is understanding that when we're in different venues, we might not have the same resources in one as we do in the other. So for example, you know, I feel very comfortable um, coaching athletes inside of our own shop because I have all of the resources that I use on a daily basis. I can say, go grab that band, go grab that PVC, go grab this, go grab that, go grab this bat, that implement, this heavy ball, all these different things, connection balls, all these things that we utilize, uh, foam pads and, and yoga blocks and all the things. I can use all of those resources, all of the tech that we have because I can have it all with me, right? So if I'm traveling and the venue is different and I don't have all of those resources, resources with me, um, that becomes very problematic in the sense of, again, how much production and maybe the blind spots that I may be having. If I'm utilizing those other things that give me feedback on how they're moving, let's say the tech or let's say the implement or all those other things, um, that might limit my ability for um, not only for me to have production, but also to whoever I'm leading for them to have production as well. Absolutely. And when we talk about resources and production, um, that leads us into how does the event need to take place? And when Joey and I were brainstorming on this one, two very drastic examples, like Joey's very improv. He can perform like on the ball with some of the best of them, where I'm the exact opposite. I need more of a script and I need to present and you know show the information in a different way. So when we talk about how the event needs to take place, Joey, why don't you give some context into um, some of the ideas we had? Yeah. So when we're going into how something needs to take place, um, there's some people that are better at live events, right? And this, for example, for me, I'm not, I'm better just going improv than I am when things are scripted, right? I don't like reading straight from a script. I like to have, um, I'm much better at, you know, uh, getting my personality into things and being able to, uh, put, I would say my, my voice into it when I'm just coming up and improving them and coming straight from my head or from my heart. Now, with that being said, it doesn't mean that I never take notes, right? Like right now we're giving this podcast and we're u- utilizing notes, but it's not scripted, 
right? Um, so that's still some improv in there as well, while there is some structure. But some people are better with live events, and some are better from a script, right? Some people want to read from a strip, uh, a script, and have things written out for what they're going to say next, right? And um, again, that also ties in. These are all not meant to be mutually exclusive, right? There is some things in the sense of um, what the situation is, and then you know, if you needed to memorize a whole bunch of things, that maybe again, having script and reading through all those things prior might help you learn, and everybody kind of learns differently uh, to give their best presentation. But those are things that we need to keep um, in, in mind there when we're going through is when we understand what needs, uh, I mean, on how how something needs to take place, it gives us a better idea. Again, does this need to be um, you know live? Is this something that can be edited? Is this something that um, it needs to be done in this way or that way or whatever because of certain constraints? All things that help me um, identify and minimize those blind spots that I have again to get the most production I can out of the event or um, situation. Absolutely. And as we progress along here, um, obviously these five all tie into the why, right? Everybody needs a why. We look at why does it need to take place? Obviously we have to take in the desired end result from us and the desired end result we want from the people in attendance. So um, why don't we dive into this one, Joey, a little bit before we um, open up some ways to set up alarms for these blind spots. Yeah, so when we're looking at uh, why does something need to take place, um, this kind of comes into different situations of this. There's certain coaches that that's the guy I definitely want um, when we've won the championship. You know, someone that's going to be emotional, pumped up. You know, again, you have that guy. And then you also have the guy where you're like, if we lose the championship, I don't want that guy giving the the end of the year speech um, and, you know, doesn't know is maybe very emotional and needs time to reflect beforehand. Right. And so understanding those situations and how it ties into us and our personality and where we're strong and where we're weak. Um, we want to understand why does that need to take place in the first place? Why does that communication need to take place? Why um, does that event need to take place? What is uh, the circumstances? All of those things, all the context, right, that we need to know. Am I having this, you know, again, has, you know, God forbid, again, like a player, you know, passed away on the team or something like that? Who's best to handle those conversations? Who's best to handle um, situations where maybe there needs to be a little bit more conviction or accountability impressed upon, right? And who needs to be, you know, maybe someone's more of an enforcer, right? Another, maybe somebody else is more of an affirmation giver, right? So understanding, again, where you're strong, when that communication best comes from you or the assistant coach or, you know, et cetera, and how to utilize your team is very important when we're identifying these and, again, minimizing those blind spots. Absolutely. And and when we know how to minimize them, when we progress now, um, just like in cars, you know, there's blind spots, there's new things on the cars that can show you um, like an alarm, like, hey, there's somebody there, your, your blind spots coming up. So when we were putting this together, we wanted to give you guys some alarms and some things you can place in your life to kind of help you discover your blind spots and ways to, you know, um, be aware of when those things are coming up. So um, I think the biggest thing and the, the number one thing that me and Joey and um, even some other people in the shop came away with was placing uh, strategic people around you that are strong where you are weak. You know, Joey and I are a great example of this where he's strong. You know, obviously those are a lot of my weak points and vice versa. So, uh, Joey, why don't we dive into those a little bit here? Yeah, so this is this is a big one here is you want, again, it's just like building a team, right? I don't want a four hitter or a leadoff hitter 
for every one of my batters, right? I don't want, I don't want every, okay, let's say again, the, the point of a team is to pick each other up where the other one is weak, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that we all have to have different skills, but also have the ability in different situations to utilize each other's strengths and kind of stand on each other's shoulders. Now, it's very important again with this is first off, before you can strategically place people around you, um, you need to understand again, we have to be able to self-assess first. We need to know where we're weak and we're strong so we know how to build a team, right? And so when we're doing that and we're strategically putting these people around us is I need them close enough and I also need someone, if I'm going to put somebody, let's say I'm um, putting someone, for example, I like I mentioned last uh, episode, I'm not the best at affirmation. Right. So I put someone again, like uh, Will around me that is really great at affirmation and always is a great servant leader. And he's always thinking about how somebody else is feeling or receiving that the end of those communications so that therefore, when I'm done with that communication, I can circle with Will and say, how, how do you think that he perceived this? You know, what's another way or again, utilize Will to go in and after me and have some of those conversations uh, to kind of, you know, mend that gap between what I was communicating and maybe how they perceive that information. Right. Um, also, too, if you have people that are strong in these different areas, um, they can help you identify what you might be missing. Right. Because you have a lens, you have a limited scope of what you're seeing things from. And if they're seeing it from a different perspective, again, maybe they have a background in biomechanics. Maybe they have a background in skill acquisition. Maybe they have a background in psychology or, you know, like some of those things is they can they can supply you with a different perspective on what actually may be going on um, and kind of give you some different scope or some different lens. Uh, that maybe perceive that situation from a different way. So the first way to set up those alarms is to actually have somebody there just like the alarm on your car to be beeping at you and say, hey, you need to take a look at this. This is what you're missing. There's somebody there. There's something that you're missing in that space. Yep. And uh, I think this is important, especially when we're uh, you go through the stages above and minimizing having somebody that can hold you accountable in each of those six areas is huge. Um, you know, when you finally do that, you're moving on to the next phase here is identifying triggers. Um, I think this is huge as far as um, understanding situations that, that might fire you up. Um, and like me and Joey talk about all the time, passion. Passion fuels a lot of people. Um, and yeah, why don't we dive into those a little bit, Joey? Yeah. So here's some different things that we want to identify is we want to take time to reflect on what are triggers. Like, let's say for example, and I'll share one of mine as vulnerability, uh, as a vulnerable spot for me is when I feel like people are questioning my character, it fires me up. Right. And when I identify that as my trigger that I know when someone's talking about those things or I start feeling that way, my mind instantly slips to, okay, Maybe this isn't the best situation for me to reply right now, or maybe I just need to take in what they're saying and take notes and maybe not respond because I might respond emotionally right now, right? And so because of that, um, I understand that that is a trigger for me, right? So that I become mindful of when that trigger is set off that I instantly go, oh, I'm being self-aware and I understand that uh, I'm starting to get emotional because he said one of my triggers or he mentioned one of these things that really gets underneath my skin. Right. So that's number one. Now, the second thing is we just talked about there being passionate, right, about something for whatever reason of why that sets you off. And we might do a podcast series later on of understanding those triggers and understanding why those uh, get you going. But for right now, what we're going to dive into is understanding that those there is things that they're very passionate that we're very passionate about are going to respond. But the opposite side of that, which is also a trigger are things that we're not passionate about. 
right? So a lot of times we can identify if we are working um, outside of our strength area or outside of our, our, our zone that we should be operating in because we're not passionate about it. And if we're not passionate about what we're doing, I guarantee you there's probably not going to be a good result that comes from that. So that can also be a trigger about it, right? If you're not feeling motivated and you're not feeling passionate about what you're doing, that should be a trigger for you to understand that you may be operating out of your strength area. Yeah. And I also think it's important before we move on there as well. um, Sometimes people can't work in areas that they're too passionate about because they can't separate their passion apart from the execution. They get caught up in some of those areas as well. I think that's something to consider there um, also. Um, Another thing we've been talking about throughout the entire process is self-reflection, which is kind of like that self-assessment period that we've hit on throughout the entirety of this thing. Joey, so why don't you open up some of that stuff? Yeah. So this is the big one. This is a a really big one here on the sense of setting up alarms is this is another Maxwell line. You guys are going to start buying all kinds of Maxwell books after I keep drop name dropping them all the time is we need to understand that our reflection, our value. Okay. Experience isn't the best teacher evaluated experiences, right? And you can go through things. It's again, it's like that, that whole saying of like, Okay, if someone knocks you down, right, and then you get back up and you get punched in the mouth and get knocked down again, and you get back up and you get punched in the mouth again and you go down, okay, it's not just about getting up, okay? Before you get up, maybe next time before you get up, you should evaluate why the hell you got punched in the mouth in the first place, right? So are you dropping your hand? Are you dropping your guard? Or what are you doing that is making you fail, get knocked down? It's Yes, getting up is important. But we have to reflect on our performance. We need to reflect on why we were in that situation in the first place. And, you know, we need to understand that, you know, these reflections uh, can be personal, right? For example, you could reflect. I usually reflect daily. That's one of the things that I do is I try to write. I try to, you know, I think I have conversations. I ask questions about the ones around me on how I can get better from situation to situation or how something went that day or how I can better handle it in the future. And, um, you know, those are where my greatest insights come from. It's not from just experiencing things. I experience it. We all experience things on a daily basis, but do we actually learn from those things and can, uh, you know, and continue to progress ourselves? So the daily, uh, those can be daily reflections and also they could be, uh, situational. They could be conversation to conversation. They could happen, uh, multiple times throughout the day. They can happen daily. They can happen weekly. They could happen month, uh, monthly. They could happen annually. Right. Um, and these are very important that you do change up the time frames because, you know, daily reflection is great, but also looking at things from a larger scope or a larger view can give you a different lens of where things are trending over time daily or maybe situationally are like small sample sizes. And if you have larger sample sizes, it can give you a better understanding of what ways things are trending. Because sometimes, you know, it can either seem really dark right? You're like, hold on, these things are really bad right now. Or it could seem, um, you know, maybe not an accurate, accurate representation of how well you're doing, right? It's like that old saying, you're not doing as well as you think, or not as bad as you think, right? You're always like somewhere right in the middle. And so when you have a larger scope or a larger sample size, you can get a more accurate understanding of what you're, um, you know, how you're progressing and how things are going. Uh, let that be good or bad, right? And understanding that, um, and then another way with reflections that's very important in some way that I do for myself is on on a daily basis I have um, accountability questions right did I um, you know I I talked about a couple times about things that I do on a daily basis I ask myself on a daily basis you know did you so show somebody 
um, unconditional love, right? And those things hold me accountable, right? Did I show someone un- unconditional love? Did I read today? Did I write today? Um, did I pray today, right? I started asking myself all those questions and those are accountability questions that help me, you know, again, if I weren't t- to reflect, it'd be very easy and I do this and it's hard. Um, I constantly have to check myself. When I ask myself those questions, there's times where I read it late at night and I go, whoa, I didn't ask anybody a question the entire day, right? I didn't, I didn't show anybody, um, unconditional love today, or I didn't, you know, pray today, or I didn't, you know, those things. And it's because I'm asking myself those questions on a daily basis. Um, it helps me with the reflection side and it also helps me, um, continue to set up those alarms for myself that I'm starting to get off track. Yeah. And it's always interesting to me, the people that reflect the most tend to do this next one, the most, uh, you mentioned two words there. Uh, to transition us in the lens and the accountability section. So um, those tie hand in hand with our personal development and continued growth into leadership, um, which a lot of people think, you know, once you get to a certain point, we don't necessarily need to develop anymore. Um, Why don't you open up, Joey, why that is important to stay on that continued path of continued development? Yeah, so continued development and continued growth is a, definitely a passion of mine. So I'm going to do my best here, Bo, not to get too passionate and lose the context, right? Is continued development and continued growth, what that does is it continues to change and develop our lens that we see the world from, right? As we learn, we've all had this experience. As we learn more and more, we start to look back on things and be like, we see them differently, right? We see them differently than we did at the time. And um, that's because we start to increase our scope or develop our lens and we start to uh, add context to what we were seeing. Now, we understood that one time maybe we saw this and we said, every good hitter needs to do X, right? And then we went later on and go, well, there is some really good hitters that don't do X. You know, that actually is better for guys that move like this or move like that or whatever, whatever, right? Now, with that being said, the next part of that is it, there is some great benefits to being diversified or multifaceted, right? So as we continue to develop ourselves and we continue to get things through different lenses, we're going to increase our scope and our lens um, that helps us be more diverse and connect with more people and be able to communicate more clearly and be able to reflect better on our performances and where we can grow. Uh, And that's just a better part of That's just that, you know, a lifelong learner mindset, not having a fixed mindset um, so that you can continue uh, to develop and again, increase your team's, your ability, your team's ability to grow is based on your ability to grow. And if you're not growing, your team's dying, right? So you need to continue to do those things on a constant basis. And that's where the continued development portion comes in when it comes to setting up alarms for ourselves and our blind spots. Boy, continued lifelong learning. You got me fired up again, Joe. Uh, Some great takeaways there in identifying your strengths, the blind spots that go with those, and then the applicable blueprint we shared there in minimizing those blind spots. Uh, My challenge to everyone listening in is to download the worksheet outlined found on our website. It kind of walks you through the entire process that we've gone through during this three-part series encompassing, um, you know, your personal growth and the continued practice becoming more I'm aware of your blind spots and developing yourself as a personal leader. Yeah. So what we're going to be doing here, guys, and this is the thing is so you can, again, directly apply this towards what your areas are, right? So we're going to take through just, just like we did in the podcast, right? We're going to ask you what we're going to give you a sheet to help you. How does this apply towards you and how does this apply towards your blind spots? Because again, we obviously can't break down 
everybody's strengths and everybody's blind spots. There's so many, right? There's so many. And that's the crazy part. So we're going to give you basically a blueprint of how to break that down. So we're going to ask you again, we're going to uh, go in there. We're going to identify your strengths, right? Remember worksheets going to identify your strengths. We're going to identify your weaknesses, right? Or your blind spots, right? And then we're going to go through uh, the, the what we just went through, right? We're going to ask questions again. How do you minimize those? Who, what, when, where, how, why, right? And then also um, help you set up those alarms, right? Um, who can you, who around you has these skills, right? That can, um, you can place strategically place around you. How, what are the triggers? Um, you know, what are things that you can do for reflection? Um, how often should you check on those? And then, you know, also what are ways that you can continue to develop in that area, right? So, with those things being said, they'll have a worksheet that you can uh, directly apply it to you. And also you can apply these to maybe some areas that or blind spots or strength that we haven't identified to this point that are obviously more applicable to you. And you can walk through that process and directly apply it to you. Applicable takeaways is what we're going for, guys. Um, obviously, Joey, where can they find that? What can they? What else can they find there? Um, and what else do you got for these guys as we wrap up here at the end? Yeah. So again, guys, uh, if you go to our, um, and it will be linked and they, it'll be linked in the show notes here. It will also be, um, on our social media. You can always find that with any of our social media posts when we release the episodes and we're doing outlines. We'll tell you guys on the podcast, we have outlines for certain episodes. And then also you guys can, uh, obviously always go on the website, the system.farm. Not only do we have the outlines for the podcast on there, but we also have the resources. Again, we have over, you know, almost 900, you know, plus coaches that are on there right now, uh, that are utilizing those resources, right? So what they're doing is again, they're identifying, you know, uh, prospects that might be going towards their school, right? Um, they also are putting themselves on there for jobs and all kinds of things uh, for future opportunities as well. Um, there is a whole bunch of uh, learning, again, that continued development. Um, we have a whole bunch of resources to help coaches continue uh, to develop their skills and um, kind of have all these things wrapped up into one area of a major resource um, along with um, some promo codes and things that coaches constantly use. I mean, we all know um, you definitely didn't get into the coaching profession for all that money you guys are all making. Um, <laughs> with that being said, that's just a shout. Hey, we do offer you guys a free podcast and the resources. You better take advantage of it, right? Free sounds great. <laughs> so um, while you guys are on there and guys, if you want, we want you guys to look uh, like you're part of the team because you guys already are. So make sure you got, go ahead and get on the website and grab some gear. Um, so, and, and again, we love, if you guys can rate and uh, drop comments on uh, the podcast, that uh, that helps other coaches find us and help them develop as well. If you guys shout us out on social media, we always give you guys back love. We want to make sure that um, you know everybody knows that you guys are growing and also tap into some of those resources that you guys are u- using to continue to develop yourself. Yep. And just to add a little bit here, guys, obviously tends to see that we get more love when we're doing more giveaways (laughs) and how we do more giveaways is by getting more exposure. So, um, a lot of that, uh, we need your help for. So if you guys want more stuff, give us some love. (laughs) Good play. Okay, guys. Well, (laughs) from us and our partners over at Yakutech until next time, farm system out.